0: Welcome to the serialized audiobook of The Starter, season three of the Galactic Football League series, written and performed by Scott Sigler. The Starter is also available as an ebook and as an ad-free unabridged audiobook. For links to purchase any version, visit ScottSigler.com/slash thestarter. We now return you to this breaking story from the Galactic News Network. Yes, Brad, I am on the scene at what was a deadly end to a happy day. INF City residents were packed in tight to enjoy a parade celebrating the promotion of their INF Krakens from Tier 2 up to Tier 1. That parade ended in tragedy as a suicide bomber tried to rush the station. It appears that INF City Police stopped the bomber, but at a horrible cost. Eight police officers were killed in a blast powerful enough to knock three Lev train cars right off the tracks and leave a two-foot crater in the concrete. The bomber and his two associates were killed, as were three pedestrians. The full number of injuries remains unknown, Brad, but Ionath City Hospital has been very busy this afternoon. Tom, what about the Kraken's players? Brad, we don't have conclusive reports yet, but it looks like no players were hurt. The team doctor did die in the blast. The bomb detonated close to the car carrying team owner Greedock the Splithead, a sentient rumored to be involved in organized crime. Was Greedock the target, Tom? Brad, it's too early to tell, and we may never know. Kraken's quarterback, Quentin Barnes, was close to the explosion as well. He's from the Purist Nation, a system well-known for both bitterness against people abandoning their religion and for terrorist attacks, much like the one we had here today. Tom, if I remember correctly, haven't the Krakens had a Purist Nation player for several seasons? Yes, Brad, tight end Rick Warburg has been on the roster for four seasons. The upcoming Tier 1 campaign will be his fifth. However, Warburg hasn't had the exposure that Barnes has had. Barnes is shaping up to be a galaxy-wide sports star. It's possible that radical members of the Purist Nation Church were trying to get to Barnes. With an explosion like that, Tom, can officials even identify the intended target? No, Brad, they cannot. Apparently, all that's left of the bomber is a left shoe and a little green globule. Investigators are typing what flesh remains and running that result through intergalactic criminal and identification databases. What's more important here, Brad, is that city officials are at a loss to explain how explosives were smuggled into the dome. They have identified the chemical components of the explosive. They are confident they will add those chemicals to all entry checkpoints and nano-sweep the city to find any explosives already inside. So the danger is over for now. So it would appear, Brad, but the fear is not over. This is the worst terrorist attack to hit the domed area in 40 years. Suffice to say, there will be tense times until we know for certain that the three bombers acted alone, or until any of their associates, still in I.N.S. City, are caught. For GNN, this is Tom Skivers, signing off. This has been a breaking story from the Galactic News Network. Not that long ago, Virak and Shoda would have led Quentin by force. Strong pincers gripped on his triceps, perhaps his shoulders. But not anymore. They were his teammates. He was their quarterback. They walked behind him, just a step, the same way they'd walk behind a quick leader. The front door of the thirty story Kraken's building looked like an army blockade point. High concrete barriers had been erected around the arched front entrance. Beyond them, a dozen police grab cars and cops on foot, Key and Quith Warrior. Virak and Shoto led Quentin right through the police. On the other side of the concrete barrier, Quentin saw more guards, even meaner looking than the police. These guards ran the gamut of races, Quith Warrior, Human, Key, and Heavy G. There were even a couple of Sklorno wearing their full-body robes so that no area was exposed to the night air. Beyond the guards the lobby of the Kraken's building. If you combine a museum and a shrine, you would get something similar to the lobby. High ceilings and black walls created a space that seemed to be vast and endless, like the void itself. There were even tiny lights positioned high up in the ceiling to represent the constellations and inhabited planets. Glowing team logos marked the 19 planets that had a Tier 1 franchise. Most planets had only a single Tier 1 team but Tower, Wilson-6, and Wittok each had two. The sun for Earth's system glowed brighter than all the rest, a tribute to the birthplace of football, even though currently Earth had no Tier 1 teams. In areas of the ceiling that didn't have GFL planets, animations made of glowing star dots showed famous Kraken's plays and players. That sprawling high ceiling arched over 21 years of Kraken's paraphernalia. Display cases showed jerseys, cracked armor, Helmets of five different species, old programs. Many displays held footballs that had one quarter panel painted white, then lettered with the teams, score, and date of famous games or key statistical accomplishments. The back section of the lobby was nothing but red brick, a chunk of wall from City Municipal Field, home of the Krakens from 2662 until it had been torn down in 2673 and replaced with the current Ionath Stadium. The right side of the lobby showed the Kraken's pride and joy, the Golden GFL Championship Trophy from the twenty-six sixty-five Galaxy Bowl. Slow-motion holos surrounded the trophy, showing key players and plays from that 23-21 win over the Wabash Wall. Just in front of the Galaxy Bowl trophy sat a small case that contained two things. A single championship ring that would have belonged to Bobby Orbital Assault-Aronik had he lived long enough to wear it and Bobby's Galaxy Bowl MVP trophy. Quentin never entered the lobby without passing by the GFL trophy and running his hands over the case containing Bobby's treasures. Quentin would have those things someday, no matter what it took. Even with Greedock waiting for him, Quentin still angled to the right to pay tribute, to see the physical representation of his life's goals. He didn't dally, merely walked by as he headed for the elevator. The elevator led them to the top floor of the Kraken's building. The place reeked of money, of power, from the smart carpet showing original designs by the hottest artists to sculptures, both static and moving. More guards up here, meticulously dressed dangerous-looking humans, quith warriors with exposed torsos that showed countless enamel tats, and two heavy G monsters that were nearly as big as Khamenei and Michnik. Where the heck did one find suits to fit such beasts? The guards recognized Quentin. Some of them even smiled or gave appreciative nods. When you're winning, everyone is a fan. Missal the efficient, appeared out of nowhere, probably sliding out unseen from behind one of the strange sculptures. Elder Barnes, welcome, said the perfectly dressed and groomed quith worker.
2: Greedock is waiting for you.
0: Please follow me. Quentin did. Greedock apparently kept the entire top floor to himself as his personal quarters. Masal led Quentin through the open area to a heavy door. Inside that door, Greedock's office. Quentin entered. Sure, Virac and Shoto now treated Quentin like a leader, but in the office, that faded away a bit. When Greedock the splithead, was present, there was no question who was in charge. No question who was the Alpha. The outer room reeked of riches, yet this inner office made it look like a slum dim lighting called attention to hanging works of art and sculptures mounted on waist-high pedestals along the room's edge, each lit up by its own spotlight. Quentin didn't know about such things, but they seemed very expensive. Priceless, perhaps. Some showed humans. Those works looked as old as old gits. Others showed Sklorno, Key, Whitok. Some even showed Kretorakians, art from the ruling race. The whole thing impressed Quentin, but he would have still traded it all for the football pictures and holo frames in Coach Hokor's office. Great art is in the eye of the beholder, but great football is in the record books. The art wasn't the only thing on a pedestal. In the room's exact center stood a ten foot column made of white stone. On top of it, Greedock the splithead, reclining in a cushy black throne custom made to fit his diminutive size. The pedestal and the throne combined to raise Greedock a good thirteen feet into the air. Quentin had to tilt his head back to look into the little leader's single, softball-sized eye. Barnes, Greedock said,
2: were you injured in the blast? No. No what?
0: Quentin sneered. No, I'm not injured, but gosh, Greedy, thanks for your concern. He knew very well Greedock wanted Quentin to call him Shamacath like the rest of the sentients in the syndicate. Well, Quentin wasn't in the syndicate. He was a football player, not a criminal. Quentin would give Greedock the ample respect any GFL franchise owner deserved, but he drew the line at swearing fealty. To anyone. Your disrespect troubles me, Barnes, Greedock
2: said. Sometimes you are so intelligent, and other times, such as the times when you are speaking to someone who could have you killed on a mere whim... You are not.
0: Quentin shrugged. The franchise you created kicks major ass. I'm just not going to grovel at your feet like the rest of those punks in the outer room. I'm your quarterback, Greedock. I am not your property. Greedock's immaculate black fur ruffled for the briefest moment, then once again lay perfectly flat.
2: Now is not the time for that concern. I brought you here to discuss two
0: things. My good looks and high bowling score? Another ruffle. Quentin realized he was precariously close to pushing it too far, and for no good reason. Greedock, I'm sorry, Quentin said. I'm still a little rattled from the explosion, and from Doc dying in the blast. Forgive me. Greedock's fur settled once again.
2: I find that choice of words acceptable. Doc's passing is unfortunate, but I already have a replacement for him.
0: Already? Not even a full day had passed. They still hadn't found all the pieces of Doc's body, and Greedock had a replacement. But that was the nature of business. To Greedock, football was just that, a business. Now, the quiff leader said,
2: while I'm sure an athlete of your caliber has a rather impressive bowling score, I do not wish to discuss it at this time. The first thing I brought you here for was to thank you.
0: Quentin's eyes narrowed in suspicion. Thank me?
2: Your fast reactions may have
0: saved my life. Hey, don't flatter yourself, Cuddles. I saw a threat and tried to put it down. You weren't trying to save me? Quentin shrugged. Nah, I was just being a good citizen is all. If I'd thrown better, he wouldn't have set off the bomb at all.
2: Possibly,
0: Greedock said.
2: I've seen news coverage of the event. The only fault lies with the design of that trophy. You hit that bomber right in the face from twenty yards away. Had the trophy been solid not hollow, you would have killed him. The real question, however, is who was the assailant's target?
0: Was Greedock for real? That's what gangsters did, killed each other. What do you mean, who was the target? It was you, of course. You thought
2: I was the target? Obviously. So if you thought I was the target, then you did intentionally save me.
0: Quentin paused, his brain searching for an answer, finding nothing for almost three seconds. Virak and Shoto, he said. I didn't want my starting linebackers to get hurt. Greedock said nothing. Quentin stared at him, then looked away. His answer had come too late, a feeble attempt to cover up Greedock's accurate observation. Quentin wanted to kick himself.
2: Which brings us to the second point,
0: Greedock said.
2: Who, exactly, was the target?
0: The lights dimmed and several holo-screens flared to life, showing replays of the attack. When it happened, it had seemed so obvious that the bomber was going for Greedock. But now, with the benefit of multiple angles, Quentin wasn't so sure. The attacker could be rushing toward Greedock's car, or, or could be rushing toward Quentin's car. Many possibilities, Greedock said.
2: Me, of course, as there are petty individuals who are envious of my business acumen but also Mayor Karen the Malleable. Maybe even Coach Holcor. Coach Holcor? Who would want to kill a coach? Welcome to Tier 1, Quentin. Who would want to kill a coach? Any Tier 1 team that thinks they might finish last unless the Krakens lose all of their games. Well, okay, but would someone... I don't know, would,
0: would someone kill for that? Redox Pelps twitched side to side. By now, Quentin knew that was a kind of quith laughter. Quentin felt his face turn red. He'd asked a stupid question worthy of derision. Bobby Aronik had died in a fight shortly after winning the Galaxy Bowl. Suspicion had always centered on Gloria Ogawa, the Wabash owner. The next year, without their star quarterback, the Krakens didn't even make the playoffs.
2: Tier 1 is about money. Where there is money, there is a will to kill for that money. Tell me... Barnes, when you worked in the mines of McCovey, where human life is so cheap, what was the going rate for a petty
0: assassination? Why did everyone have to bring up McCovey? I think you could have someone killed for 500 credits if you wanted it done right. If you didn't have that kind of cash, you could hire someone hungry for like 50. Fifty credits to kill a sentient, Greedock said. And here, there are billions at stake. Do you understand? Quentin hadn't thought about it in those terms before. He nodded. I hope, Barnes, that
2: you can learn these things in time to save me from having to find another quarterback.
0: Quentin nodded again.
2: And if the target could have been Coach Hokor, then it also could have been you.
0: Quentin stared, once again his brain searching for thoughts and finding nothing. Aronik had been killed. Aronik, the quarterback. Greedock was right. Quentin could have been the target. They had no way of knowing. We
2: will look into this. The Ionath police are good at their jobs, when I allow them to do their jobs, that is, but I won't sit back and wait for them to find the culprit. I will protect my investments. For now, however, I want everyone to stay in the touchback, at least until the season opener.
0: Quentin shrugged. That's fine with me.
2: Really? Some of your teammates whined about not seeing their mates, their offspring. No concerns from you?
0: Quentin shook his head.
2: Of course not. Sometimes I forget that your entire life is the game of football. That's one of the things I like about you. You're focused on what matters.
0: If other Kraken's players wasted time with mates and kids, that was their problem. Quentin had nothing to leave behind. But in truth... He couldn't wait to get up to the touchback, because it meant safety. If someone was trying to kill him, he'd rather be in a private spaceship that could punch out than in a city of 110,000 sentience. "'Take this,' Greedock said, and tossed something into the air. Quentin caught it. A thin, black bracelet.
2: "'Put it on!'
0: "'If I do, does that mean we're an item?' The gossip sites will go crazy.
2: You are not funny, Barnes, and I doubt your human brain could even understand the complexities of quith courtship. That bracelet will let my people track you wherever you go, in case these mystery attackers send you running again, or even kidnap you. I would embed search sounders in your skeleton, but GFL regulations stipulate no mods of any kind. Commissioner Frost is cracking down on such things. Put on the bracelet.
0: Quentin slid the bracelet over his right hand. It lightly contracted against his wrist. After just a second or two, he couldn't even feel it. Greedock waved his middle right arm, snapped his pincer.
2: Vyrak, Choto, take Quentin straight to the roof, then shuttle up to the touchback. He is the last of the team to report in. Once you are up, tell Captain Shavers to take the touchback out of orbit and find a place to hide until I can arrange for military protection. If Gloria Ogawa thinks she can stop me from beating her team, she has another thing coming. And Choto? Yes, Shamakov? Until further notice, you are to stay by Quentin's side whenever he is off ship. He goes nowhere without you, understand?
0: Yes, Shamakov.
2: And Barnes,
0: Greedox said,
2: should you give Choto the slip, for whatever reason, it is not you I will punish. I will blame him for failing me. Now go!
0: Quentin felt big, strong pincers lightly grab each upper arm. He turned, sharing a brief look with each of his teammates. Any delay on his part would make them look bad in front of their Shamakov. Quentin let them roughly take him out of the office. The second the doors closed on the elevator, they let go and stepped back. The three teammates headed up to the roof, to the shuttle that would take them off-planet. You have been listening to The Starter, Season 3 of the Galactic Football League Series, written and performed by Scott Sigler, produced by Ariok Morningstar with post-production by Steve Rickyberg. For more information on Scott and more free stories, go to scottsigler.com. Theme music is the song The Kids Are Coming For You by the band Superweapon superweaponband.com